Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. I'm your host, John, back with my bestie, Nikki. Nikki, how are you? I'm feeling lively. I'm feeling fresh. It's, uh, again, it's an hour earlier than we normally meet. So oh, I know it's good. great. I, yeah. I'm excited. We got Jason Kalipa with us. I, Jason, I got to tell you this, man. So Nikki knows this. I get I get geeked out about OGs. I've been in CrossFit since 2011. And I actually, when we booked you for the show, I texted my training partner that I've trained with since then. I'm like, bro, Jason Kalipa coming on the show. And all I got back was, oh my God. That's all I said. <laughs> Just like, like, you got you got to understand, dude, we'll talk about it. But we're me and my buddy were both in finance. And when we started in CrossFit, we were amazed at how many gyms were just struggling. And okay. you you were the first one that we knew of anyway, that figured out the formula, how to like have multiple gyms and to run them the right way and, and make this like a real professional business. And so we've always been kind of geeked out about your story. So getting you in the show for me is like a really cool moment. So I appreciate you coming on. No, that means a lot. No, thank you. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate the business side. Yeah. It's been something that, you know, I, I obviously feel the same way. You know, I saw years and years ago when I got into CrossFit in 2006, as it started to grow and expand, you know, I would travel around the country and I was teaching seminars for CrossFit. I saw a lot of inconsistencies and it was something that, you know, I worked with CrossFit a lot on because I found that to be something that was going to be a big issue long, long term. If someone goes in for one gym, has a poor experience, and then they go tell five friends how poor of an experience they have versus they have a phenomenal experience. So creating some type of guardrails was important. And I see the same thing now in jujitsu, actually. It's really prevalent in jujitsu, almost identical in terms of the inconsistency. So yeah, I appreciate that though. Yeah, well, I, I want to get into that some, but first we got to talk, we're talking off air about this bathroom situation at the That's CrossFit the Games. And we got we to gotta lead with that. So everyone in the listening, if you guys don't know, like somebody got busted at the CrossFit Games videoing in the men's bathroom. Like that is so weird to me. It's so, so strange. Oh, right, it's so weird. Like, so I tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, you know, I was like, dude, some guy got arrested, like legitimately in trouble for filming in the bathroom. She's just like, I don't get it. And I said, I don't get it either. I was like, maybe he was like going above the stalls or doing something. He's like, <laughs> don't see anything from behind the urinal. Like, right? Like, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. He must have done something super shady, like hid his phone, like trying to catch someone. I don't know what. Mm -mm. Yeah. Cause actually we brought this up. So, um, one of my friends and coworkers names, Gabe Yanez, we were talking about this on our podcast and we were discussing this particular situation, but not in relation to like, obviously this guy's a creep and regardless of like whether or not he got good footage, it's, <laughs> it's irrelevant because what we were talking about was how at these events you consider like a CrossFit community, right? And you say like, you'd feel safe in this particular community. And one of the things that I've really been leaning into in the last five, six years is this idea as a dad, as a husband, as a, you know, as a protector of them, like you want to always be able to protect and provide for your family as much as possible. And so we started talking about this because my son's nine and I wouldn't have thought much about like letting him go to the bathroom by himself to CrossFit Games. It wouldn't really have like, it wouldn't be on my top list of places like he's going to have an issue with, but it just goes to show that no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on. Like there's creepy ass people everywhere. And so that's, mm -hmm. we started talking about that in terms of like what I'm doing with my children and things like that, but that's what sparked it. And then I saw, I saw his meme about it and I just, I thought that was pretty. Well, yeah, oh somebody, God. somebody sent me the, and it wasn't even really my joke fully. Like somebody sent me the article and they go, man, this thing got more, you know, the, 
the men's bathroom got more coverage than the adaptive athletes did. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, that's such an easy joke to make. I have to do that. You know, yeah. it's it just so, and, but it was kind of true. I had like this weird feeling when I read it. I'm like, you know, CrossFit is full of what I would define as alpha males. And then I say that with respect and pride. Like, I think it's a good thing. You got a lot of like, to your point, Jason, protectors. And it's full of first responders. So, you know, you would, you would expect it to be that way. So when I saw the article, I'm like, how did this guy not get beat senseless? <laughs> right. Like, seriously, like, how did right. he not, like, what did he think was going to happen? Dude, and, and he didn't think he was going to get caught. Well, yeah. apparently. I have any questions about it. Like, like how, it, how, how it went down, what the angles, but it doesn't matter in the sense, like, the, the, the takeaway for me was regarding, was regarding my, my kids. And in regards to the adaptive and age group, not to like, just real quick. You know, I, I was announcing the final event for them and we had it live. We broadcasted it. I find that, you know, if you're someone out there who's complaining about the, the age group and adapted and you are, you have all rights. If you've been following that throughout the year, if you've been watching it in different protocols, but if you're just getting upset with HQ, like they were doing the best they could with the budget they had. Now, in the future, I think they're going to change things around. I think they could have done things differently this year, but I think in the future, going to change it anyways. But it's just unfortunate how many people were so upset about the age group and, and adaptive who never even pay attention to it, but they just want to get upset about it. And they probably didn't even watch the finals. And so if you are going to be upset about those things, also go out and support that because the more eyes you get on adaptive and age group, which those groups are phenomenal, the more eyes they are, the more CrossFit can invest in it because you're going to have sponsors are going to want to support it. If you're only having five or 10,000 unique eyes on it, it can't justify the cost for the, just from a business perspective. So my advice for those people who are upset, like go support it throughout the year. So if there's a business case to really thrive this thing. Yeah. My argument on the adaptive side, like I have two classes, I own an affiliate here in Cleveland and I have two classes of adaptive athletes that fall into the, the neuro division or the intellectual division. And for me, that adaptive division is an opportunity to broadcast what's possible. Like yeah. it doesn't drive me crazy that they're not going to broadcast this thing live. What drives me crazy is we're not getting great marketing out of it that they can then play on ESPN. Because what I want is some family sitting around the TV watching ESPN, watching, you know, Justin Medeiros do crazy things. And then all of a sudden the commercial comes on and there's one of my athletes that has Down syndrome doing mm. thrusters. Mm. And, yeah. and then have a kid or a family member that has Down syndrome go, oh my God. I can do this for me. That's the power and like the transformational change that CrossFit brings. And it just felt like a, a missed opportunity to capture that. But I also get like, you know, I'm in business, so I understand the financial restraints and we're in a kind of a crazy economy. So I understand mm -hmm. there have to be some trade-offs too. I'd just like to see more transparency moving forward of what is that marketing going to look like and how are we going to help bring these athletes into the affiliate so we can help them live, live healthier and happier lives. Like for me, that's the, the biggest yeah. argument. Well, I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, I, I've, I, by doing the finals, I mean, I saw, <laughs> I mean, so they had three divisions that were actually at the CrossFit games and they had, if I'm not mistaken, another five yep. that were crowned through the open. And the, there was an upper division, a lower division, and then a multi extremity division, I, I believe. And the upper and the lower, I mean, it was remarkable. I mean, these athletes are getting after it. Casey Acre, have you, have you seen some of the yeah. stuff? Yeah, we've oh, had yeah. him on the show. He's, oh, yeah, yeah I, I give him no sympathy because the dude snatches like 300 pounds. So oh, he, it, he had really... a total that most people watching the CrossFit games with, right. with all the lips. Yep. It, but, you know, I think to your point, 
and I, I agree with you, John, like, I think that CrossFit, what it will do in the next year or two is going to be really telling. My recommendation would be to highlight adaptive age group and even potentially teams separately. So, yep. you know, the thing about it is when you go to the CrossFit games, people are going there for the individuals and that is the show. And I think what could happen is, is that the adaptive, the age group, et cetera, they kind of get, they kind of get lost in the, in the, in the, in the connection to the individual. Right. And what I'd recommend is maybe break up the season into quarters or identifying other ways and have CrossFit really get behind another event that really focuses on storytelling about the adaptive athletes, really storytelling about the age group so that people can be focused on that instead of being focused on the individuals. And then the age group and the adaptive just kind of like come along. Right. Yeah. Right. So, although I could understand how those groups want to be a part of the world championships, I actually think them being separated from that will actually do more for the overall group than if they were part of the CrossFit Games itself. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. We actually were just talking about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but someone had brought that idea to me and I'd never thought about it before, like totally breaking up the competitions and having full on separate events. And the way that person brought it to me was like the Paralympics is its own thing. Exactly. We make just as big a deal out of it because it's its own separate thing and we get to celebrate all the things about it without trying to do too much at once so that people can focus, the audience can focus. And to your point, Jason, specifically on the broadcast, the storytelling can focus. And we're not trying to, it, it is, however, I will say it is a really cool thing to say, like, every division is doing the same variation of a thing. Like, that is a cool thing for CrossFit to say, but I don't think that that would have to go away. I think it's just kind of like a slow reveal over the course of the season. Like, you know, starting with this division, everyone's doing Karen. And then the next right. quarter, or to your point, whenever the next competition right. is, hey, guess what? These people are doing Karen too. And then the individuals are like, oh, guess what? These people are doing Karen too. It's like, it could still exist. I just don't, I don't know. It could, it could be a really way at it, a really cool way at it. I just wonder if it's going to be even more resources necessary to make yeah. each individual event as well, great as it could be. Changes. You're going to see some changes coming up at CrossFit, right? The location is changing. Right. I think that the, the focus is going to change. I mean, if you know the old saying, right? If you try and be if you be everything to everybody, you're nothing to everybody. Whatever that thing, same idea. If you try and be everything to everybody at the CrossFit Games, it's just a lot of storytelling, a lot of messaging, a lot of focus. Like, you know, th this is a very big production. You know, you have a thousand people working behind the stages, scenes to make this work. And long term, if you want to put on a really professional event, I mean, I can't think of another event that is segmented into as many age groups and in, in, in whatever than the CrossFit Games are. Like, imagine if the Tour de France had an age group division, an adaptive division, a team division. Imagine, you know what I mean? Like, none of these other groups right. do that, probably for a reason, you know? Well, and there's yeah, a lot of the, I mean, a lot of these comps are actually run better for those divisions. Like, the, right. the team, there's a team throwdown in Michigan. We saw, I went a couple of years ago, it was during the pandemic, and they invited everyone in, and Mal O'Brien was there, and, and, you know, some of these top athletes. And it was brilliantly run. And well attended, and uh, you know the Masters events they run in Fort were or Fort Wayne, and there's another one out on the West Coast are brilliantly run and and widely streamed. And I just think if they could do that, imagine the sponsors that might be willing to take a chance on those that mm. they can't take a chance on the games. Like as an example, Noble has the games. Who's to say Tier can't come in and do the Masters event, and yeah, Rad, Rad comes in and does the Teen event? All of a sudden, right. you're allowing more people in the space, more money, more sponsors better for the athletes 
and certainly more visibility and coverage, which I think ultimately is what they all want is more visibility, you know, kind of more eyes on the prize. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. You want to see these people be able to make careers over time on this thing. And, you know, I look at it a lot like jujitsu and, and you, you look at the jujitsu space, you look at the CrossFit space, different sports. There's a few guys that can really dominate, but how do you disperse that down a little bit differently? And I think that you got to get, you got to get more eyes. You have to have more storytelling. You have to have more sponsors. And it's very difficult to storytell around one portion of the year for all of these different demographics. If you split it up in quarters, for example, you can now have media content that's per, you know provided for each one of these. I mean, these are all hypotheticals, but I think that I think that this is the way you start discussing how the sport continues to grow and elevate. And I also think with Noble, I don't know if you'll see Noble, you know, the Noble CrossFit Games forever. I think what'll be probably better is if you get a variety of different sponsors to come in because then everybody can get an ROI on their investment instead of just one big partner, I think. Yeah. Well, they, and, and, you know, admittedly, I'm not sure they got their return this year. I mean, because of this topic we're talking about, I was just literally just talking to, I don't know if you know, Jason Grubb, but he's four-time winner on the master side. Yeah. He's a badass. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's great. A great dude. But you know, like all, everyone in, in the mat, the age group divisions all got the same three to $4,000 kit that the elites did, but none of them were in the coverage. So now if you're noble going, man, I just gave out four grand worth of gear to 70 athletes that are never going to be seen that's a huge loss to them mm. you know so to your point like bringing in other sponsors and spreading that out allows all of them to mitigate that risk some of you know what will be seen and and you know get it on the right people yeah absolutely yeah. speaking of of sort of the storytelling and the broadcast and the manpower that it takes to get the whole machine going jason this was one of your first real experiences with us on the broadcast side from end um, to end yeah. i mean what i remember this is like the most jason kalipa moment that's ever happened when we were like maybe <laughs> a day or two into it and you had wandered back into the the trucks and you were just like looking around like almost seemed kind of lost and you were just like man it takes so many people to get this thing going and i was like yeah jason welcome to the broadcast Dude, 200 on the backside team i could not believe it I got an email from the broadcast crew, like, in, and I'm sure you were on it too. And it was just like, I went into this L Excel spreadsheet and I'm expecting to see like, you know, oh, like 10 people are flying in here. And it was like, <laughs> I could not believe it. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? It was, I mean, it is a must be just such a completely different experience being on the other side of the lens, given that you've been out on the competition floor for so long. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, look, I've done some commentating and some color commentating, like at different mm -hmm. things. And that's been always fun. The ESPN was definitely more stressful than I anticipated. You have like five different cameras. You have two things in your ear. Plus you have the people you're talking to. And it was very awkward. So what happened is <laughs> we pre-recorded like the first five minutes of our segment or like not five, like probably like 15. And we had pre-recorded it. This is on my first Friday. So Thursday, I was super honored to announce the adaptive and age group. And I was doing color commentary with Tom. And then Friday- Tom's on the show tomorrow, by the way. Oh, awesome. Love. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which he's awesome, by the way. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we are, uh, I was on ESPN. And so I'm up there and I was already nervous, you know? And, and, and dude, then, then you got cameras, you got people in your ear. And the weird thing was, is like, if you're talking to me, I'm just kind of like looking at you. I'm like paying attention. But on TV, you look like you're like upset or something. 
So when I watched back the first five, 10 minutes, my wife texts me, she's like, you need to smile more. And so then I started finding like this, like, like I'm a little bit more socially awkward. I'm like looking at the camera, like, and so that was my big takeaway. It's like, when you're on TV on ESPN, you have multiple cameras, you got to like smile at your co-hosts or whatever, and then smile back at the TV. Can I, yeah, can you, I talk? You need like a resting, pleasant face, That's which is it, like the opposite of what I have on a daily basis. Well, <laughs> I was going to say to get people to watch these things on YouTube, you have to give them clickbait titles. So I think I'll title this one, Kalipa has a resting bitch face. What do you think? <laughs> I think that'd be perfect. perfect. Oh, good. No, it's true. It's a weird skill. And then sometimes you're like smile muscles get kind of sore. It's bizarre. Being on, being on camera is a bizarre experience. Yeah. And you know, so I, I go to Tommy, I'm like, Tommy, dude, I'm having a really tough time here because like. I'm listening to you speak and I'm paying attention. But then when I look at myself on the TV, I don't know what to do with my, my face. Like not my hand, like, you know, like I don't know what to do with my face. And he's just like, so he like gave me like a 10 seconds. Like he's like, so you smile and you nod. And you smile and you nod. It's a sure enough, I look at him on the next segment and he's smiling and nodding. And so I just copied what he did. So if you pull footage from ESPN, first day, a little rough. The next couple of days was good. The first day is just the warm up anyway, so that's totally fine. Yeah, I got some. It was it was fun. I got good feedback. It was it was cool to see. You know, that was one of the things about. I understand that the broadcasting could have been you know preferred by many people. I I I totally, I'm not dismissing that, but the fact that CrossFit was on ESPN, ESPN two was a really big deal, and I I don't want that to be downplayed. Like it has not been on those channels for years and years and years. And to me, I think this is a, a sign that things are moving in the very positive right direction. I, I just wish more people picked up on that because it was a really big deal for the sport and for the community. Yeah, yeah it I, was. I think we put that in our highlight show. If we didn't, yeah. I regret it. Uh, the, I think that ESPN partnership was huge. Uh, you know, you put good partnerships for CrossFit is crucial right now. Like yeah. they've got to get the right eyes on target and bluntly ESPN's the right eyes like for people sure. watching sport people that like sport you know it, it brings all levels of motivation and inspiration and those are exactly the things you want I was super excited when they said it I it wasn't a complaint I know people are complaining about the ESPN plus and that there was a cost it did not bother me at all like ESPN's got to make money we got to make money it makes sense and the yeah. number of people get you in front of is spectacular yeah, the cost was, I don't think the cost was the issue. I do think it could have been communicated earlier and a little bit better to our core audience who didn't probably the day before we hit 321 go want to go and purchase a new subscription service. But I totally agree. I think it was massive for the sports. I got text messages from friends, some people I haven't seen in a while, who were just like, like I'm at bar and like you're on. And yeah. it was wild because these are people who, yes, they know me and they know that I do CrossFit, but they don't watch CrossFit. Right. They would never consider looking at what I do. They're just like, eh, my friend Nikki does this thing. And then it was just, it was just on them because in addition to being sort of like the baseline respectable channel for all things sport, it's also just kind of like on. It's just kind of like a thing that you expect to be up at the bar, up at the restaurant, up at the airport, like wherever. So it's just eyeballs on the sport yeah. that otherwise may never have paid attention but could be intrigued enough to who even knows what google at one time find an affiliate one time attend a buddy day or a free class like it's just massive so i'm i'm still, it validates, I'm still writing it validates, that it validates the, the sport for sure like yeah like uh, i was watching dodgeball yesterday with the kids and like <laughs> you know, 
you know, ESPN de Ocho, right? Like it wasn't, right. it wasn't on like a, some random channel. It was on like real ESPN in front of millions of eyes. And I think that that validates it. You know, when you have other fringe, you know, for lack of a better term, not the like top, you know, football, baseball, whatever. Sometimes you'll see those on other type of channels to see it on ESPN, I think is a huge validation factor. And like I said, I think builds good momentum for CrossFit in general. I heard you really embraced the whole like hair makeup situation. Oh my God. <laughs> so awkward. You know, like we had a makeup. She was awesome. And uh, Trish. I don't, I don't do like the makeup stuff, you know, like that's just not my thing. <laughs> but she, the way that she convinced me, she's like, it's an anti-sheen. Like, yes. so, and I was like, oh, okay. Anti-sheen. That's not makeup. Like, that's cool. You know, like no big deal. So that's, that's how I got convinced. That's how you got convinced to not be shiny on ESPN. Big shout out to Trish. Is our, she's been our hair and makeup lady for like, I don't know, 150 years now at the games. Now that we're moving locations, I don't know if she'll come with us. And that mm -hmm. makes me really sad. But she's best known for, for baking because she's local to Madison. So she will come in with like literally bags full, like beach bag sized totes full of delicious baked goods for the entire crew. And like, I, I don't know what, I think she puts crack in her baked goods because none of us have an off switch like i'll go in the truck in the morning and there'll be just like trays of like magic bars and rice krispies treats and cakes and shit and then like i'll come back i don't know half a day later gone everything gone insane so wisconsin dairy man dude you know. it's gotta be and she it's she baked be. extra trays because when we were on cbs sports uh I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but the guy who was with us from the CBS crew had like zero off switch. And so she ended up baking extra trays because he would like eat the entire thing of like pumpkin bread before anyone else could get oh, to it. And I was like, where is your off switch? Everyone else is coming for these streets. So she ends up baking like way too much, but it gets eaten. She made Hunter a birthday cake. How See, sweet. That is sweet. That's yeah. that's the charm of Matt. That's why I'm going to miss Chad Madison. It's such a charming little town. And it's the one time a year I get like cheese curd six days in a row. Yeah. You know, like, hopefully Same. wherever the next location is, has some sort of local delicacy like that, that we can just all dive into and just enjoy mm -hmm. for a full week at a time and go home feeling sick to our stomachs. Be terrific. <laughs> yes, please. Well, that was Madison. They had two things. They had cheese curds and that local beer, Spotted Cow. Like, that was it so like good. i don't even drink beer I, I could care less about beer and every night i'm like where's my spotted cow like it's just what it's what you do in madison you know with my cheese curds you know, that's weird leaving like that city Did has you? truly felt like home for so long and I don't even i've barely ever seen that city i've been like to the same five restaurants year over year but it's such a routine that like leaving the sheraton for the very last time like I don't know, just walking out of that lobby. It's the same people who work there year yeah. over year. Like, we know their names. They know us. They know our orders. I don't know. It was just sad. And it didn't really hit me until we were riding to the airport that I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to, like, do this little walk from the hotel to the Alliant Energy Center anymore. I'm not going to, like, you know, have the Edgewater where we have the after party every year. And I'm just so used to like, I know all where all the staircases are. I know where the bathroom is. Like, it's just, I don't know. The routine all of a sudden felt very lost to me. And it was kind of sad. Yeah, I get that. I was the same way a little bit. But they jacked up the price for the hotels this year. So I'm less sad than I would have been. Oh, okay. Screw them then. Yeah, screw them. Wherever the new city is. <laughs> better. I've so heard, are you... I've... 
Go ahead. I was just going to say, are you recovered, Jason? Because it's a pretty epic week. Oh, yeah. All, all good. Yeah, I came back and right into it, you know, with the business and the family. And, and I'm, I'm actually going out to Maine. We're actually, well, this weekend, I'll be traveling for a charity event that we're doing. And then I'm heading to Maine for like a week's worth of jujitsu with the, the Jocko crew. So that should be interesting. But oh, nice. I have yeah, so I mean, many questions. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I, I you have traveled a lot over the years. and just kind of just find my rhythm. And especially when I travel alone, I, 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 I just find my, my flow, I guess. And so, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of work, but it was, it was good to come home and then get right back to it. Cool. What's what is, the start, start with the charity event. What is that that you're working on? So, you know, in 2016, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And since then she's been cured of leukemia, which is obviously great, but it's always been a mission of ours ever since she was diagnosed. You know, I, I really felt like at the time, and I still feel like this today, that we were blessed in so many different ways that we, we saw a lot of really tough stuff in the hospital. And I was very fortunate to have, you know, the family around, the fitness that I have, the financials that I had, all everything lined up that we were in the best position possible to to handle it. And not many people are in that same position. And so when Ava was diagnosed, they gave us this thing called a joy jar in the hospital. And what it is, is like a jar of like, it's like a, like a jar and it's filled with like a bunch of like stuffed animals and just, just fun stuff, stuff to put smiles on kids' faces. And so afterwards I got connected to the owner of that company and his daughter had unfortunately passed away from something called DIPG, which is a different type of brain tumor or a type of brain tumor. And we became super connected with this organization and they became really close to us. And so every year, my wife hosts something called Ava's Kitchen, which is an annual fundraiser where Chef Michael Mina, we've had top chef winners, we've had all kinds of chefs come, and we do a big live auction. And with that money, we go out and we put smiles on kids' faces. We go help families that are struggling. And this Saturday, coming up in a couple of days, is it's the, the best way to... It's, it's like a, it's just like a fun day out. Like basically rented out this whole place. There's face painting, there's food, there's music, there's you name it for the families to bring their children who are still in treatment and just take some time off. Right. And so basically we'll have about 200 people show up. And the idea is again, it's not, this organization is not trying to cure cancer it's trying to cure bad days. And mm. so the goal of Saturday is to cure a bad day for that family. And then from there I leave for jujitsu land. <laughs> How, how important is that when you're going through something as traumatic as that type of a treatment, anyone for anyone, but especially for your kid, I don't think a lot of people focus on the bad days. They're just, you're just focused on the treatment. You're just focused on the cure. You just focus on the diagnosis or the next step or whatever. The bad days, man, that probably could be enough emotionally to just wreck you so that you can't even get to the next treatment day or get to the next step. Like emotionally as a parent, did you find that that was a need that I don't know, maybe isn't talked about as much? Yeah. I mean, I mean, bad days can ruin relationships. Bad days can, you know, cause divorces. Bad days can cause a lot of things in the hospital. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, we're, we're very, very blessed to have our family around and to have a support system we did. And my wife and I, you know, we've been together since we were 15. And so, oh my God, no way. Yeah. So, you know, we've Amazing. gone through some growth together, right? And, but 
it was still hard on us. I mean, I, I actually think our relationship probably got better through the experience, but I've seen many that don't. And you know, the reality is there's families in there that are having a difficult time paying for gas money to get to the hospital so they can get chemotherapy. Right. And that's like a, like a real thing. That's not like, oh, that's, no, that's a real thing. I've met many families that go through that same thing. And so the stress they're under is so extreme. And, you know, giving them just a couple hours just to come and just like, bro, have a beer. Go like sit over there. Let your kids go get face paint. Let your kids go do balloons. Go do some like whatever else we have going on, you know, and just go drink a beer. Go have a piece of pizza and this is your time. Let the kids go do their thing is, is, is the goal for this Saturday. We do a lot of other things. So we do breakaway adventures where we send people to Disneyland. We do, you know, stuff where we send like a, a big kit to people's houses where they can make it in like Hawaii and we give them a gift card for DoorDash. We do a lot of stuff like that that is just designed to cure bad days. I love that. Do you know that to this day, I still use Ava's jump rope? Oh, no way. Yeah. Uh-huh. We- Man, we, we did this barbell with Oso Barbell. It raised 50 grand. It was, it was pretty solid. It's the pink one, right? Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So avaskitchen.org, if people are interested, this next year is going to be in March. We just sent out to save the date. So Lovely. March. Yeah, it's in San Jose, California. Perfect. And then where, where in Maine are you headed? As an East Coast girl, I, I must know. Portland? Okay, yeah. It's the only, it's the only like big epic city in Maine so okay perfect that makes well, so then, much sense yeah so there, there it's a it's a jiu-jitsu camp so basically go out there and you roll jiu-jitsu you learn and I'll be doing like a, a crossfit thing there for the people but yeah it should be fun I'll let you know so how fun I have 150 restaurant recommendations for you Portland is so fun and so foodie and so delicious you will love it all right yeah, every every city in the northeast where Nikki lives is like two miles apart like you think all the all your listening like that you could carpet maine and new hampshire and not maine maine is massive you could not carpet maine but you could carpet the inhabitable portion of maine and northern mainers listening to this would be very upset with me but like portland down is civilization north of portland is where i lived by the way and where my husband is from is the woods see those of us that are that i live in cleveland and I don't, I couldn't find any cities on a map if you put a gun to my head. And so my cor- the corporate office of the bank I work for is in Nikki's hometown. Literally. And, and then we have a, a, a significant number of offices in Boston. In my mind, those two locations are like 500 miles apart. In reality, uh-huh. they're like, in reality, they're like 30 minutes apart. Yeah. It's just, I can't wrap my brain around how small New England is. It's just tiny. So I'll be two hours away from you, Jason, if you ever need to just shoot down to rhode island for any old thing oh my my family's from rhode island my mom my mom yeah so my my dad came from iran and my mom came from her family came from italy and they went to they went to rhode island and my mom moved here when she was like 16 from to california from rhode island and in providence and my my uh, my family like uh, my uncle was the the like the dean or whatnot at lasalle academy right there in providence the years yeah Oh my god, that's so funny. Nobody's ever from Rhode Island. I'm literally the only one. I've never been that I've never been there. My mom and dad. You know, here's a crazy thing. This is like I don't want to go down that tangent. Just but anyway, we love a tangent. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty tangential, but this is kind of sad. But my mom, my mom and my mom, dad, and my mom and my grandma and grandpa and my aunt were living here in California. My great grandma and great grandpa happened to be out here visiting California from Rhode Island. Unfortunately, that night, my grandpa 
as a doctor, got called in, got hit by a drunk driver and died. Yeah. And the reason why I share this story is you talk about commitment from a family perspective. My great grandma and great grandpa never went back to Rhode Island again. So they were just out here visiting, right? They were just catching up and they never went back home. So they sold their stuff and they were just here supporting the family. And I think that that's a testament to kind of like the way my mom is and the way the support system is like, even when Ava's getting sick, that's why I'm so grateful. It's like, but, but that's, that's the, that's what I think about when I think about Rhode Island, I think about like to the core family oriented, just really good people, because that's all I know. And that's the story that just sticks with me. Although it's super, yeah. sad, it just sticks with me, you know, let's go with that. It's definitely that. I love that. That's a, you're right. That is a very sad story, but it's also like, like your family's badass. They were like, fuck that place. We got to be here with our people supporting our family. I kind of love it. Yeah. It's just a good lesson for me to think back on, you know, like, like forever, you know, you, you want to be the guy who, you know, when, when family needs something, you step up and that's it. Yeah. But they're an example of that. You know, Jason, one thing I've loved about your journey and as I have followed really over the last decade is that while you've always been deeply immersed in CrossFit, you do a lot of things that are CrossFit adjacent. Like you, mm -hmm. you actually live that Hey, I'm going to go play new sports. And like you've taught, you've mentioned jujitsu several times, and I've kind of watched you do that through the years. Can you just kind of walk us through how you got into that? You know, yeah. move from CrossFit into, you know, what an outsider views is like kind of crazy sport. Like what you guys do yeah. just seems so difficult to me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. You know, I think that unfortunately, you know, if you look back on like what Greg Glassman's done for the, the world, he's done a lot and he's, he's transformed the way probably hotel gyms look like gyms in general. He's in a lot. And when you look at the original model of what the goal was, right? It was regularly play and learn new sports. And I think that over the years, as CrossFit became more and more of a sport, it's actually hindered people from playing more and more sports. Like you're so focused on in the gym, you're forgetting about all the beauty that's outside the gym and outside the gym is so much potential to unlock not only for your athleticism, but also potential to unlock to validate all your training in the gym. So it's, it's a beautiful yin and yang because you're in the gym, you're hitting it hard and you're hitting hard and you're going for a better Fran time, better Fran time, better Fran time. But then all of a sudden, if you start seeing how your Fran time can correlate to your ability to go play with the kids, it's like, hell yeah. So for me, I explore all kinds of stuff with my kids, right? Regularly play and learn new sports all the time. But when it comes to jujitsu, which was the part of your question, which I'm getting to now. I'd be walking through airports for years. I'd be walking through airports, you know, competing in CrossFit. And so many times people would come up to me and be like, hey man, dude, I don't want to mess with you. Like, cause you know, I, I guess at the, you know, I'm a little bit bigger of a guy, whatever, right? Like, oh, I don't want to mess with you. And I'd always think of myself, I'd always think to myself, like, you know, I have a lot of sets of skills. I could walk on my hands down this whole airport I could back squat a lot. I could deadlift a lot. I could run a lot. I could do all these different things. But when it comes to self-defense, I had done Muay Thai before I found CrossFit years ago. And I knew that if you don't train, you're not going to be able to win in a self-defense experience. Like you, you have to train. Like it's, a, it's an acquired skill set. And so that like, kind of hit me when, when I was looking for a, a sport coming out of with Ava, when Ava got sick, I, I retired from the sport of CrossFit and I was looking for something to free my mind, to give me an opportunity to just, just kind of be present, be focused on something else outside of the hospital. And I thought back to all the times I'd be in the hospital or the airports. And I wanted to be able to create a set of skills that I could develop 
that would be with me for the rest of my life as a husband, a father, a protector. I wanted to develop skills like investing into a retirement fund because these skills would be able to pay dividends for the rest of my life if I can create this self-defense. So that's ultimately what got me into jiu-jitsu was this lack of ability and confidence in my own skill set to protect myself and my family. And that's what sparked the whole thing. That's so interesting. It's like a 401k for kicking ass. And and, and now as I've gotten older, right, you know, I regularly train with the kids, jujitsu and self-defense. And as I've gotten more and more into it, now I'm like seven years into it, it's, it's became a really big part of my life and, and my identity in the sense that I want both of my children to utilize training in the gym, of course, and then also jujitsu or self-defense to develop self-confidence and to develop a set of skills so that they feel like they could, you know, defend themselves in situations. I think that's really important. And it's important for me too, as a dad, and it took many years, but now here I am six, seven years in, and I'm glad I got started. I love that it's a family activity now too. Like, I love that it's another way for you guys to spend time together. Yeah, Nikki, you'll like this. So my, my daughter, she's 12. And she's 12. Hold on. My mind is blown. Where <laughs> yeah. have the years gone? I can't. We're getting old, you guys. Tell me about it. But this is funny. So she comes, uh, I, I think she was like maybe like eight or nine at the time. And I'm like, hey, listen, Ava, I know you want to go out. I understand one day you want to go out with your friends. Like you want to go to the movies. You want to do stuff. Like I get it. Like I'm a cool dad. And you're like, I get it. And I'm just letting you know that if you want to go out with your friends, that's fine. But you need to have a specific level of self-defense, right? And that level of self-defense is defined by a blue belt in jujitsu or whatnot. Like I've, I've created criteria that I have for, I say you can either start now and you could be 12 when you want to go hard or 14, or you could start in a couple of years from now. And it's just going to delay the, 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 your ability to go out another couple of years. So when would you like to start? She's like, let's start tomorrow. I'm like, all right. Ooh, so we perfect. just started training because. It was really important to me that if she wants to go out, you know, I wanted to put it back into her court. Like, when do you want to start training? Yeah, I love that because there's, man, it's so hard, right? As a parent, and John knows, especially because he's a parent of, of a dad of girls, like it is so hard to weigh like putting your kid's destiny in their own hands yeah. against what truly is happening societally that you have no control over and the world is an insane fucking place and we started this episode by talking about the guy filming in the bathroom like he's the lowest level of creep in comparison to the type of creep that you might need to truly defend yourself against jujitsu style one day against and, and and kind of like weighing those two things against one another while also guiding your kids while also not telling them what to do while also telling them what the fuck to do because you're the parent like it is uh. insane and as a I never want a girl, you guys. I don't. I don't. It's too hard. Like, it's too Just terrifying. Yeah. I know, and I don't want it. I don't, I don't. Because, I mean, raising raising a young boy to not be a total dick is, like, you know, part of it is a challenge. But, good Lord, like, the world is terrifying for young women. So, yeah. I just, I love that approach that you've taken. Because it also, like you said, it puts it in her hands. And you found this very, like, delicate way to toe the line of like well i'm telling you what to do but i'm not telling you what to do but i'm fucking telling you what to do because the world is insane and no matter how much i would try to pretend like it's not like it is so also carry some fucking pepper spray <laughs> yeah you do it my girls carry pepper spray i when i mm -hmm. sent meg off to college my, my oldest is 22 the youngest is 20 
And, oh, okay. Yeah, so they're they're a little bit older. Okay. Yeah, and the and the youngest goes to University of Cincinnati. And when I sent her off to college, I'm like, all right, we need some rules. Like you're gonna be on your own for the first time. You're not under my roof. We need, I need to make sure you understand what the rules are. I'm like, when you and the University of Cincinnati is kind of in a sketch community a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like the the campus is really nice, but you get about a block off campus, it's not so safe, you know. So I'm like, always travel in packs. That's rule one. Like, make sure you have friends with you. One of those friends always has to have my phone number and it needs to be a friend that will have your back no matter what, like we'll call you no matter what. Rule number two is my credit card is going to be on your phone. No questions asked. You take an Uber before you drink and drive always. Yeah. That's rule number two. Rule number three, don't take open drinks from boys ever. Don't take an open drink from a boy. Even if you know them, all boys are creeps. <laughs> and, yeah. And rule number four, when it comes to your pepper spray and your mace, if you think you have to use it, empty it. Yeah, huh? Right, right in their face. It's non-lethal. Like, mm -hmm. if you think you need to, don't second guess it. Empty it and apologize later. I'd rather bail you out of jail than something horrible happen. And those Solid are four plan. rules. And and she lives by them. Like, to her credit, occasionally I'll look at my credit card statement. There'll be three or four Uber rides and, you know, and, and whatever. And that's fine. Because I'd okay. much rather pay a you know thirty forty dollar Uber bill each month than a hospital bill or worse. Hundred percent. I I like those. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably steal some of those. You know, for for us, very very similar. You know, instead of carrying mace at you know my daughter's still really young, but yeah, I would definitely want her to carry pepper spray, big ass knife, whatever we could train her in. But um, I just say like as soon as someone puts their hands on you, like I teach her now because I I do this, I train her all the time instantly you have to act now and act with violence and aggression that they have not felt before because these guys are assholes they're creeps and as soon as yep. they put your t hands on you you need to act so violently that they're just like dude i'm out like i'm gonna uh -huh. go somebody else to be a victim right and and so that's what we really work on as far as jujitsu and stuff i think the value there is like and jocko says this the best is jujitsu is great because you know especially like for a girl if if there is distance between you and you could run, you should leave the situation. You should run and get away as quickly as you can. But if someone grabs a hold of you, that is when jujitsu becomes really favorable because you can learn how to how to get out of that position. You know, so that's why we do that. I love that. That's that's so smart and empowering and all the things. And it's also not like promoting violence in any way outside of the fact that like you need to be able to handle your shit. Hey, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, nope. No promotion of violence here. I mean, other than the fact that you should be able to know how to utilize it accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's, there's a really difficult part about being a young woman, especially, but a woman in general, where it's hard sometimes to act with violence and aggression because societally and usually in other areas in your life, you've been told to act politely. Mm. And so there is this there's this awkwardness right there's awkwardness that comes from like oh i just i can't say like something's weird and and i'm so sorry i'm just i'm so sorry i'm just gonna excuse myself like oh i'm so sorry this is just not really going the way that i want it to like training and teaching someone especially a young girl to be like fuck this politeness i'm out i don't give a shit what you think i will say i'm sorry later if i need to but i probably don't even need to like that is a whole new breed of young woman that like absolutely needs to come well, in I, over this entire world. Go ahead, yeah. My kid's got a smart mouth, so oh. I pro I probably should get her jujitsu. Where did she get, get that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, you know, it is a true story. I I grew up in the South, 
Jason. And in the South, you have the SEC football team that you love, and then you all the teams you hate. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And so since my girls were little, I've taught them which teams in the SEC to hate and in which order we hate them. And there's a very specific order, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so I grew up in Mississippi, so Ole Miss is my team. And Mississippi State is the one we hate the most, and then closely followed by LSU and Auburn. And then probably fourth on that list is Tennessee. So she's in Cincinnati, which is on the border of Kentucky. And some kid comes into this party. She's at a frat party. Some kid walks, comes in wearing a Tennessee Vols hat. And she'd probably been drinking. She walks right up to this kid, gets right in his face, goes, fuck the volunteers. And like all her friends are like pulling her back. And she's like, what? What? I thought we all hated Tennessee. And they're like, Meg, this is Cincinnati. We're not, you're not in the deep south. You know, and so I had to tell her later, I'm like, you're going to get your ass kicked. Like some boy is not going to respect you like other boys do. You can't do that. You know, so I need to, I need to get her jujitsu lessons apparently because she's going to get herself in trouble. Yeah, the, th the thing about like with my daughter, like she's super sweet and she's super low key, too low key. And she's just very, very casual and whatnot. And we try and teach her a lot of different life lessons as we're traveling with her and whatnot. But when we go in the garage, I tell her like, look, like this is like, I'm going to turn on this clock. And when this clock starts, like I'm going to be a little bit of a different person. You're going to be a little bit of a different person. My goal is to teach and train you. And I'm going to, I'm going to go at it kind of hard. And after we're done 10, 20, 30 minutes from now, like I'm back to, you know, loving, compassionate dad. Like, but at that moment, like I'm not doing her any favors by being super, super softer because whoever is going to come at her is going to be a little bit more. Now that's within reason, right? Of course, yeah. I'm not crazy, but you know, and, and then with my son, it's a, a little bit different, right? With my son, you know, I think back to when I was young and I don't know if this applies to you guys too. I'm sure it does. The biggest bullies in college and or maybe not college, the biggest bullies in high school and elementary school were always the people that were least confident. Have you, did yeah. you guys, Oh, no. yeah. Yep. And, you know, I, I tell them all the time, like, listen, my goal is to make you the toughest guy in the room, but also the most loving and the most compassionate. Mm -hmm. You should always end up for bully. You, you know, you should stand up for people. You should be you should be the guy who's opening the door and the most loving, but also be able to go throw down if you need to. And I feel like if we could instill those things in the youth, hopefully it'll help with some of the bullying and some of that kind of stuff, because I don't think they're going to have to resort to that because they're confident and they're comfortable in themselves. So that's kind of like my overarching theory on jujitsu oh. and why it relates to kids. I, I think that's solid. Like, you know, both of my girls, when they lose at something, they don't cry. They don't pout. They just go back and try to win. And the reason they do that is because since they were tiny, I didn't let them win shit. Every, every no, game we true. ever, this is yeah. huge. every game we have ever played, every sport we've ever done against each other, I've tried actively to beat them and beat them bad. And I remember mm -hmm. distinctly with Mira, she was a runner in high school and she was a really good runner. But when she was training through middle school was when I was kind of hitting my stride in CrossFit and I became a pretty good runner. Hell yeah. And we'd go out and run and I would just beat the socks off of her. And I would intentionally let her lead for like 400 meters. And then I'd just blow her doors off at the end and she'd get frustrated. And then I remember vividly the day she beat me the first time and the look on her face of pride of that. And she's never pouted about any loss. She's never gloated about any win. Like mm -hmm. it, it taught her that life lesson that sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to win. You got to learn from it and move on. And, and I think, you know, the more you just give your kids, you know, I, I hate the term participation trophy. I think it's a cop no, out, but I'm, I agree. But there's some truth to that, that, you know, yeah. you can't give your kids wins. Like they've got to earn what they get and it applies later in life.
I'm so, I so vehemently believe in that. I don't think you need to be a dick to your kids, but like I, I had the exact same thing with my brother is nine and a half years older than me and was like having another parent around and he never, ever let me win anything. And I tried like hell. Oh, but I'm the baby. Oh, but I'm a girl. Oh, but can I just have one extra turn? Or that was just practice. Nope. Not a single time, no matter what it was, like family bowling or game night or video games, never, ever, ever let me win shit. And I know that I used to get upset about it. But as an adult, I value those lessons so much. And it got me really fucking good at the things I wanted to beat him in by practice. And now my husband will not play Mario Kart with me because he's a sore fucking loser (laughs) and he never, ever can win. My wife is so competitive. It's so crazy. <laughs> like people would think, oh, you're the competitive one in the house. Like, no, my wife, you don't want to mess with her. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It, I think it it applies if you do that when they're young. And I, I bet you're going to find this, Jason, when your kids get older, even like both of mine have taken those lessons and they've taught themselves to play musical instruments. They picked mm-hmm. up how like Megan's rock climbing now. I've never even thought about doing anything like that, but she is fearless about doing it because she's had experienced all these other failures along the way and learned that she can do things that now she's out skydiving and and yeah. and living life at its fullest and well that's that's, that's gift i think that crossfit yeah. gives us yeah i think the best gri- gift that crossfit can give your kids or to you is these micro doses of adversity on a daily basis like i just think that's such an incredible gift that is given because you're intentionally going in and exposing yourself to hard things you yep. learn to overcome them. And then that translates into real life. And I just, I just find that to be super fascinating. You know, like it's almost like if you're, if you're not regularly going in and hitting the gym, you're missing out on like the greatest, like anti-aging pro fitness, pro health marker, pro mental health component ever. And for those reasons in particular, right? Cause you could choose to do hard things, which then makes all these other things in life kind of a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I think most people miss that point. They, you know, they think going to the gym as well, I'll get muscles and I'll feel better about myself. And wow. there, there's a little bit of that, a tiny. Yeah, totally but, wrong. Not totally Yeah, wrong. there's some of that component <laughs> that you do feel better. But I think this concept of doing hard things, when you come up against something that's really hard, like your daughter getting sick is a great yeah. example. Like all of a sudden you're like, all right, this is what's hard. And I've been hard places before. I, I've gotten through hard things. I will get through this too. You know, and I can't tell you how many times I've, We've had tragedies in our life where I look back and go, man, this sucks, but I've been through hard stuff. I will get through this. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it just, it, it applies in so many areas of your life, you know, and those lessons, you continue to learn them. The longer you do it, the harder it gets, the more you learn, you know, yeah. pulls you through a lot. Yeah. yeah perspective sure. is everything. Oh sure. yeah. My wife wants to get that tattooed on her, by the way. But you know, I it's one it. of those things. It's like people ask me like, what's. How, how has your experience been at CrossFit Games? Like, dude, CrossFit Games are amazing to me. CrossFit's changed my life, right? And we've, you know, I, I found CrossFit in 2006, started competing professionally for a decade, opened multiple gyms, worked for CrossFit seminar staff. I've done all these different things through CrossFit, right? Competed all over the world. But the best gift it ever gave me was that when you're getting ready for the CrossFit Games, you're learning how to compartmentalize. You're learning how to positive self-talk. You're learning how to understand what's in your control. You're learning how to utilize these mindset tips for a sport that then translate in real life. And, you know, these are not hypotheticals. This is an actual situation where out of nowhere, right? A child gets sick. You end up in the hospital for months. 
And he utilized those exact same concepts in there. And it's just like, man, if I hadn't done all that, it wouldn't have prepared us as well. So I think if you're not motivated by six pack abs, you know, health markers or whatever, you should be motivated to put yourself in the best position mentally for if life gets tough, because it will, that these are the best tools, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. I'm motivated by all of those. I'd love the six pack abs, but I just had a lot of cheese curds in Madison and they're all gone. They're hey, all gone at the moment. Hey, John, for the, for the record, I mean, I'm all about the six pack abs. I'm all about, you know, no, no fat dad bod, but the best gift is the mental is, is, is those gifts because I didn't realize I, I was gaining them until I, I realized it. You know, I wasn't yeah. realizing developing. I, w- I would agree with that, that for me, the mental aspects far outweigh looking in the mirror and going, oh, my shoulders look good today. Like, that's nice. But it's always the, you know, you have a bad day at work and, you know, I have an amazing home gym here and an affiliate that I own and either being at either one, like it's almost an immediate mood lifter to start because you're around your people or around, you know, the things that you love. And then as you're working that out, like it's almost hard to describe if you've never done it, but I don't know you guys have experienced it. It's like working that aggression out, working that sadness out, working that anger out, like getting it out of you and, and focusing on something that you know you can control. Yeah. For, for me, that's always it. Like I can control this. I can work on it and I'm going to experience some failure, but I'm also going to beat it. And it just and means I, a lot. I think too, for me and for probably for a lot of people who maybe aren't necessarily facing big adversity in this moment, it is an hour away from the hustle and bustle of daily life that can really, I mean, that grind yeah. can get rough. Just mm-hmm. workload, family drama, whatever it is that you're dealing with on a daily basis, whatever is making your phone ding, which is for most of us is like <laughs> incessant. Right. It is an hour that you can put that down and focus on yourself and clear your mind away from all of the stresses and all of the to-do lists and all of the bullshit. And and to your point, Jason, that does really set you up for when those stupid pings on your phone really aren't the worst thing that's happening to you. But just on a daily basis, I think what we're providing people is a mental health break from the things that really can bury us. Yeah. And and we don't even realize it half the time, you know? Yeah. The the biggest mindset tool that I've incorporated through fitness is definitely the positive self-talk. I find that it's just so easy to implement, especially like jujitsu is the same thing, but let's just take CrossFit because most people I imagine that listen to this probably do CrossFit. You know, you're out there and you're hitting a workout. It sucks. You know, the best way to think about it is like coach yourself through workout the way you a coach would coach you. You know, if I'm at John's gym and I'm his coach, I'm like, hey, John, I need you to find your heels, keep your chest nice and tall. Dude, you're doing awesome, man. Just do me a favor. Take a nice deep nasal breath. All right, keep crushing it. You got three more rounds. Let's go. You know, whatever. Like, I wouldn't be like, hey, dude, your legs hurt. Your stomach feels like it's cramping. You're not going to finish this event, this workout in whatever minutes. Like, you wouldn't say those things. But all of a sudden, when you're in the middle of workout, those are the things that come through your mind that they tell you. So if you could reframe those negatives into a positive and somehow coach yourself to work out the way you would coach somebody else, dude, I'm telling you, man, those those in the gym, if you could really, really solidify those, you'll start seeing them put into action in real life. And it's pretty remarkable. Scott Panchek used to do that to me all the time. Ah, I, I, I was training at Mentality. Yeah. I forget what the workout was, but he's, he's a mean programmer. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a terrible workout. And just get my ass kicked. And I must have looked like death. And I'm sure I complained because I do that occasionally. And he shouts at me. He goes, say, I get to do this. I'm like, what? He's like, say it out loud. I get to do this. And I shouted it. He's like, do it again. And I shouted it again. And then I got what he was trying to tell me. 
you know, that I'm not being forced to do this. I get to do this. Like I'm blessed yeah. to do this. And I've incorporated that in so many workouts since then. When you're having the worst time, like you're out on a run, it's always the run, right? Like, I don't know, 800 meter run, you're 600 meters in, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. I'll quite literally say out loud, I'll get to do this. And I've had people say to me, why are you saying that? And I'll go say it with me. You why know, are you talking to yourself, you're kind of, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, yeah. but you're right. It, it will change your workout immediately and your mood will lift. You'll feel better about what you're doing. You can push through that next rep, that next round, whatever you need to do. It's a, it's a monster change. Well, now imagine if you could adopt that kind of thinking into things outside of the gym into the things that get you down yeah. on a daily basis. Like, would you ever look at a friend and be like, yeah, you look a little tubby in that outfit. Right. Never. You would never say that to someone you love. You probably wouldn't even say it to a stranger, but we say it to ourselves all the time. All that kind of stuff. Like, Ooh, I don't know. You're probably not that good at your job. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> it's like the plot, but like, you know, and as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm maybe I'm getting a little soft. I don't know. I'm not like, you know, I still, I train hard. I get after it. I'm crushing workouts, jujitsu, you name it. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing like, you know, for me to show up the best I can as a husband, as a father, as a business owner, I need to be able to utilize skills to help me get there. And fitness is a tool set that I'm using to level me up, to, to go do things with my kids to, you know, we have a saying now at NC fit. I'm really about it. It's train hard and live free. And when I think about live free, it's like, I never want to be inhibited for my fitness because of things I want or need to do. And I want to be able to go do whatever the hell I want and just live free. And the mental side also kicks in a gear there with, with training yourself so you can overcome stuff when it comes to outside the gym. So that's kind of where I'm at on my journey. You know, you'd ask earlier, like how, I think you asked earlier, like talk about the past. It's like, I started off with just such a clear vision of what success was, right? Winning the CrossFit games. And then as you get older, you, you go through some stuff, you have some kids, your, your vision of success and your vision of where you want to go in your fitness journey changes. And where I'm at right now, it's like, I want to live free. I want to be able to go protect my family. I want to be able to provide for them. And that's where I'm at. And that's how it's evolved, you know? So what does that mean as far as like your efforts reflected in your businesses? Like, what are you working on to continue to have them grow and thrive and support you in the lifestyle that you want with, with your family? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, our business, obviously COVID in California did us no favors. Right. You know, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows. We were really focused for a long time on brick and mortar. We then pivoted to really focused on corporate wellness, which we expanded globally. We then became very focused on digital for gyms who want to utilize our programs that we use at our gyms. And the future and where we're going is to own and operate great gyms to service gym owners and support them along that journey as well. And then to reach an end user and expand to help them train hard and live free. And we're going to really, you know, be kind of going after the, not going after, supporting the dads, supporting people just like me who want a training program that helps them get after it so they can show up as the best husband and father they could be. That's kind of how we've evolved. From a business perspective, we're still owning operating gyms. We're still servicing gym owners, but I want to do a better job helping that demographic. So how, how do you do that? Well, I mean, one is obviously you get your message out more through different channels. You, you market better essentially, and you provide a, a really solid app product, which we already have one now, but we will be in the near future releasing something I'm really, I'm really proud of. I'm really excited about 
And it's really designed to just level people up. You know, that's what I talked to you about the newsletter before. If people want to join the newsletter, that's a good way to stay in touch with some of the stuff we have going on with that particular group. Ooh, that's exciting. I love the idea of killing the traditional dad bod and just helping people like figure out how to fitness, how to fit fitness into their crazy lives, how to balance fitness with the insanity of being a parent, but also how to like value fitness in that world as well and carve time out and, and force it to be a priority. Yeah. I mean, the, so the, John put it up on the screen, the never zero newsletter, it's just a free newsletter that we're going to be sending out. And the goal is just to create this like group of like hard chargers who want to level up and it could be women. It'll probably be mainly male, but it could be women too. Let's go. But the idea is this idea of never zero. And this thing about momentum is really important when you're traveling, when you're gone, it's very difficult to go from like, like just zero to back on. But if you just keep some resemblance of momentum, that's really where it's at. So for us, we're gonna have a variety of training programs. You know, one is going to be about acting the part. One's going to be about looking the part and one's going to be about never reaching zero. So no matter what's going on, you got to at least hit this because then you can continue that momentum moving forward. Oh, that's a really interesting concept. And I love it because once you're off the train, holy moly, it sucks. And you know, probably better than anyone because you're always traveling and you're always in situations where fitness is likely not the easiest thing to accomplish. And yet, here you are. Yeah, I was in a, I, so the family and I, we celebrated in Europe, Ava getting cancer free, and we were out there for a long time. And see, I didn't have any weights and I need weights, right? I want an external load to, and so I just grabbed rocks. And that's an example of trying to get to never zero because as soon as I just took multiple days off, you then that becomes your new status quo right? Mm -hmm. Instead, it's like just doing something, even if it's 10 minutes, five minutes, now all of a sudden it's still in motion. I think it's so great for people to hear that from you, Jason, because I think that sometimes we forget that CrossFit Games athletes, they're just like us. Like you guys seem so, you elite athletes seem so non-human. Like you're just, I, like we're like, we could never work out like that or we could never recover like that or I could never accomplish that. And I love when we really have a chance to pick your brains and understand your mindset and, and everything like that, because you guys experience these same exact fears and issues and concerns and lack of momentum that we all do just walking into an affiliate every single day. And it's a great reminder that every single person could benefit from the type of training that we do and that every single person is capable of whatever their goals are, whether it be pick up some rocks and do some fitness today for 15 minutes because I got nothing else around and I need to move or become a CrossFit Games athlete someday. Like we all, we're all here just like on the same page. Everyone has the same opportunities in front of them. Yeah. I love that clarity of message too. You know, I, I think so often people think, well, if I can't go get in two hours at the gym, it's right. a waste, you know? So 10 minutes and grabbing rocks. Like, I love that. It might be my workout tomorrow. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like perfectly suited for it because it had like a bunch of rocks. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of Italy. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? So I just grabbed some rocks, did some thrusters, and it was really hard. And uh, it was just a good reminder that like, especially in real life, like you're not always going to have a barbell. So go grab some sandbags, go do something different. And that's the mentality is like this never zero mentality. It's really something that Gabe Giannis from our team, he really like solidified with me. I was like, dude, it just really hit home for me because I've just seen so many people who are so active in our gyms. We've had so many members 
who just come in, they're so active and they take like a couple of weeks or a month off and then they're gone. It's very hard for them to come back in. Yeah. But when they take that month off, they just stayed active. It's probably gonna be a lot easier for them to come back in. Well, for those listening that aren't going to watch this on YouTube, the website is www.nc.fit backslash never zero. So make sure you check it out and get on the newsletter for sure. Because I think the, the clarity of your message, dude, is amazing. And so I love that. Hey, you know what's cool about that never zero newsletter is that six hours after you sign up for it, it sends you an accountability email and it then gets sent directly to me with like what you share. And I will then respond back to you. And people like who have signed up for it, they're like, oh, is it really you? It's like, yeah, dude, it's me. Like, I want to engage with you. I want to hear like, what's, what's holding, what's your why? Why are you even doing this stuff? Because then the stronger you could reflect on that, the more likely you are to stay consistent with your fitness goals. That's See, I'm, wild. I'm, I'm going to sign up just to troll you. It's going to be great. Hey, sign up. <laughs> I know it's going to be you. So then I'm going to be like, all right, yeah. what's up, dude? <laughs> I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make my why. I want to beat up guys that film me in the bathroom. That's what it's going to be. You're going like, to know, know who it is. You know, and for most people who sign up to this newsletter and it's, it's like, what, like, what's your why? Like, what, what are you trying to do? And it's like, I want to be fit for my family. And like 99% of people are saying that because they, they realize that as they've been doing CrossFit for so many years, a lot of people are on the similar journey as I am. Like I got into CrossFit when I was 20 years old. Yeah. I won the CrossFit games at like 21, 22. Here I am. I'm 37. I have two kids. I feel like I've felt a, you know, a lifetime of stress through a variety of different things. Right. And now it's like, well, what am I really trying to do? It's like, dude, I only got one shot at this whole dad thing. So let's go crush that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's all we have, dude. I've said that for a long time. You know, there's a lot of things you don't leave behind, but your kids are not one of them. That's your legacy. Got to get it right. You get one shot. So I, I absolutely adore that. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys allowing me a chance to come on riffing about some of the CrossFit stuff. And obviously jujitsu, it's something I'm, you know, really excited to, to dive more and more into and to to bring more people in crossfit to jiu-jitsu you know i think that we pride ourselves in crossfit and doing hard things but we really pride ourselves in doing hard things that we like to do yeah so, right mm. and so what i'd ask people is like you like to do hard things yeah i get it like you go in you hit grace like let's go but when's the last time you did something hard that you didn't really want to do and I think learning new skills makes you a better coach. So for any coaches listening, like, you know, if you're not learning new skills, sometimes it's difficult because you, you lack the compassion of a new person. But when you go try something new, like jujitsu, it, it enhances your compassion because you realize what it's like to be a newbie. It's scary. And so that could help you as a coach as well. I feel attacked. You're right. I need to learn you, some new skills. Are you, are you going to go for Learn a new language or the guitar tomorrow? Like with John, you got that. <laughs> no, to sign up for jujitsu. Hey, obviously. hell yeah. Obviously. Go take your first class. You know, Larry, Larry Moss, who's one of our MCs, who's been yeah. like an MC for a million years. He has been loving on jujitsu for years. And for years, he's been trying to get me to sign up. He's like, you'd love it. You'd be so good at it. You'd like fall right into step. You'd have so much fun. So it's never, it's always been sort of like in the back of my mind, like, that could be neat to do. It really could be. Try to start with some in, some privates. Start with some privates and see how it goes. Yeah, because it's a little you, intimidating. Yeah, you might hit me up six months from now and be like, hey, that conversation, that was that was cool. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about this. So, I want to see Nikki Brazier on the sideline reporting with big cauliflower ear. I think right? that would be like the greatest moment in CrossFit Games history. Just, oh just a God. shiner. Just be amazing. Black eye. <laughs> well, Jason, thanks for joining us, man. It's 
been truly a pleasure. And for you know the geek in me, I'm loving it. And Nikki, great to see you as always. Likewise. Glad to be back and glad you're fresh and well-rested. You yes. get an early night tonight for you. I know. I'm going to go to bed early. It's going to be epic. I don't believe you're going to do that at all, but no, I'm appreciate that you said not. it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining and we will chat with you guys soon.